0: all right everybody welcome back to the pack out podcast we're uh back after a little bit of a hiatus it's been kind of a uh scheduling ordeal i guess for aaron and i we've both been pretty busy in the month of july so we're back here finally in uh early august getting back on with you guys but what's new out in pennsylvania Aaron? anything good
1: uh finally in the month of august i'm not going anywhere we have we have one one trip to philly um and that's it. And that's different than July, which was two trips to Michigan, two trips to Philly, and I'm tired of driving places. So uh, nothing much going on. I got an update from the trainer today on Obi. She's doing great. I'm getting pumped for grouse season already. Um, so uh, yeah, otherwise, nothing Nothing all that new. I did pick up my deer head. I got my skull back finally. So went and got that the other day and started messing around trying to hang that but otherwise same stuff different day how about you
0: yeah, a lot of the same I'd like to say that I feel like I'm gonna get less busy but we're about oh, three weeks out from uh so you leave you yeah leave soon, <laughs> heading heading out to montana so I've just been kind of putting the finishing touches on that stuff and uh the last two weeks or so here been um doing more shooting with the broadhead so which is good for the uh, conversation we're going to have tonight. I guess we have uh, Micah Brown from Annihilator uh, on tonight, so excited about that. I think broadheads and arrows is something that we're always talking about, and people are always interested in. So, uh, cool to cool to get you on here, Mike, and be able to pick your brain a little bit with what you guys are doing with Annihilator.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. Appreciate you having us on. It's like we always tell guys and, and, and gals, you know the. Uh, could have all the fanciest stuff the fanciest camo the fanciest bows the nicest boots and everything but it's the business end of the arrow and your arrow together that 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 whole projectile is what uh is where the magic does or does not happen so
1: yeah yeah, 100%. yeah. that's the past couple years we've learned the um you know the i guess the 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 reasoning behind, you know, spending some money on a, on a, on a quality broadhead or just having quality broadheads. I mean, I grew up shooting, you know, Thunderhead, one hundreds pull them out of the package from Walmart or Dunham's or wherever I grabbed them and screwed them on and, and went and you know, the past couple of years started getting into some better broadheads. And this year I'm going to shoot, um, I, Cody had good luck with your guys' stuff last year. So I wanted to give it a shot this year. And, um, Really, really looking forward to hearing how you guys kind of came up with it. Like, I mean, the broadhead markets, uh, I would say that it is saturated to a point. So like yeah, what that's made a, you that's guys... That's definitely an,
2: uh, an understatement for sure as far <laughs> as that. You know, you look at, there's a lot of bow companies out there. There's a lot of smaller bow companies that are great bow companies. Um, I shoot a buddy's prototype that was on the market 12 years ago, and uh, we're still prototyping Hanging out and prototy- prototyping that one, so. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, there's usually, you know, for the most part, five or six big bow players. But then you go, you know, arrow manufacturers. It's almost the same thing. Then you go to broadheads, and it's like this whole gamut of swinging metal and uh, you know all this flashy, shiny metal and everything else. So you definitely hit the nail on the head. And there's a uh, there's a sea of broadheads out there. Yeah. So like, uh,
1: go ahead, Cody.
0: I was just going to say, maybe, um, before we jump too much in the background, what's or into the, the broadhead itself, what's your, uh, background, Mike, I know you guys are out in, uh, Idaho now. Did you, are you, you know, born and raised in Idaho? Where are you from? How'd you kind of get into, into hunting that led you into a broadhead company?
2: Yeah, for sure. So, um, I actually just moved to the Boise area. I was one of the, uh, one of the, one of the, uh, many people that jumped, the burning ship that is California. Now I um,
1: understandable. That because, uh, <laughs> I laugh
2: because Brandon and I, when you're talking about plans and how busy you guys are, we were talking today. We have an antelope hunt that starts uh, on Monday, and then we leave for California blacktail on either Wednesday or Thursday. So um, it's you know, like I said, it's kind of a kind of a joke. Um, i love that state it's absolutely beautiful uh um there's there there are cool people there the northern part of the state when you start getting away from a lot of the yahoo's is um absolutely phenomenal the hunting for blacktail is uh second to none uh anywhere you can go in just vast wilderness and hike forever and backpack back in and and hunt and stuff like that but um yeah going back to your question i was initially from california i was in law enforcement um, just left last year i was uh, Uh, deputy sheriff for uh, sacramento county for 16 years and uh the basis for that broadhead kind of kind of comes from one hunting in the industry seeing a lot of stuff fail but two also understanding ballistics and how a uh, mushroomed uh projectile moves mass out of the way and leaves a void behind it um our broadhead is uh, we can get into details and go down what, we, what Brandon and I call the rabbit hole because it is a rabbit hole. But um, the broadhead is based on a platform of uh, bullet technology uh, combined with a broadhead. So uh, in, in a short sense, um, short word, uh, our broadhead basically hits like a bullet, but doesn't obviously carry the speed, but creates the void behind it that very similar to what a bullet does combined with what hemorrhaging does on a traditional broadhead. And when I say traditional, I don't mean like for trad archers, I mean traditional as in the sense of every other broadhead out there that's uh, designed to screw onto an arrow shaft. And that's not knocking broadhead companies. Brandon and I are completely respectful and, um, no way is, should anybody take anything that we're saying as a bash to another broadhead company, cause that's not what we're about or, I mean, there's a huge, huge pizza, right? Plenty of pieces of, uh, plenty of pieces of that pizza, uh, everybody can get a
1: piece. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, and I know what you mean by traditional broadhead and, and the fact that a traditional broadhead generally slices. Uh, its yeah, right the hemorrhages.
2: And if you look at them, you know, not, like I said, not knocking them. They all look the same. They're sleek. They're profile. They either have a chisel tip or they're cut on contact. You could look down the uh, from the front of any broadhead. If you guys had some on you right now and look down, screwed on an arrow shaft, and you'd be able to see the arrow shaft down the side of it. The annihilator is the only broadhead that shields at 360 degrees. So When you look at it head on, you don't see the arrow shaft. So when you, when you talk about broadhead specific designs and what we came up with it, think of like a, think of what a round ball, right? The worst thing that worst thing that you can get hit with in the civil war was a round ball besides a cannon, (laughs) which is still a round ball. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, reason being is because that, that think about how much surface area that, that round ball comes in contact with and, and shoves out of the way. It's a, a huge amount of, uh, of mass. Now that ball is con, is convex, right? It's pushed out. Think about the annihilator. It's the exact same thing, but pushed in. So either way you have a wall behind the, behind the other, ed, uh, other end of it. Guys didn't like shooting those in the civil war uh, because uh, the fact that you can't steer it, right? There's a reason why golf balls have dimples. So when they hit it, they can actually steer it in the direction it wants to go. And a lot of people don't understand that when a projectile is launched, it doesn't matter what speed it is, you know, the same thing, why, there, why there's laces and dimples on a football, um, they help, they help design and kick off the air that tries to attach itself to the object. So when you think about a, um, an arrow in a broadhead, you know, a lot of these wider, wider cut broadheads have vents or cutouts in them to get a wider blade length, but that also disrupts the air. Uh, in and around, not only the broadhead, but the arrow shaft too, the whole projectile. So the, so the, like I said, the going back to what you were asking, the basis of that, of the annihilator was built on a, on a bullet concept on the back end, but the front end like a normal broadhead. That's fascinating. And yeah, and if you look at, if you, if you hold an annihilator up and on an arrow shaft and look at it sideways and rotate it, you can actually see it's cupped in the back, just like a round ball but it has all the stuff gone out of the inside of it. It's a round ball and that round ball shields the arrow shaft. So as we dive deeper in this, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, I'll tell you what and why, um, what that's actually doing in flight, what it's doing, uh, in an animal and the stuff that we've actually scientifically proven with, uh, guys that have been in, in ballistics, uh, in ballistics, uh, engineering and background, not nothing to do with nothing to do with archery, but we're, we're talking raw ballistics, um, railgun stuff like, like army, like, uh, guys have been, uh, been, um, doing that railgun stuff and doing, uh, doing other stuff for the military for a very long time. We actually went and did some specific testing in Texas and, uh, did some, uh, some analysis besides, besides hiring a three, uh, like a third party engineering firm to tell us what the broadhead's doing. Uh, mm-hmm with this guy's, uh, assistance, we actually proved what it's doing. So.
1: That's awesome. And neither of you have an engineering background.
2: Nope. No engineering ba- background. Um, like I said, so going back to the story about how we, how Brandon and I came up with this, it was, it was my idea. Um, and Brandon's got a, a background in, in business entrepreneurship. So mm-hmm. him and I met through a mutual friend in elk camp, uh, mutual friend lost a bull and, um, we got to talking about it and I just told him, I said, Hey, I got a, I got an idea that I've been working on for like two and a half, three years. Um, I think it's going to solve a lot of the problems that uh, you know, our friend was facing at the time that most archers have faced. And I told him, I said, I think, I think this one could be, uh, could be it. So um, that was the end of, End of that, like I said, we met in elk camp three weeks later, Brandon called me and was like, Hey, uh, I'm really interested. Like your concept and the idea behind it. Is super cool. I don't know if you need any help, but now uh, I'm a resource, you know, I, I'd like to help you out and stuff. And I said, yeah, I said, it'd be kind of cool just to make it for ourselves and see if it, uh, see if it's got legs, see if, you know, see if we can actually use it at some point, even, even if just for ourselves. So that's how like the whole thing, the whole basis of annihilator was started or literally around a
1: campfire. The best, I, the best, and the worst ideas come
2: from the <laughs> empire. Yeah, especially when you start uh, when you when you start adding alcohol. Yeah. Of course, and I don't, I don't think we are hammered, hammered yet. Or that <laughs> people have like flames off the back and wings and
0: God knows right? what else. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. What were some like the biggest? You know then or when you started thinking about this like what were some of the biggest issues you were you were looking to solve I mean were you looking at like wound channel stuff their ability like what were some of the biggest issues you saw in the industry that you were kind of looking to improve upon
2: yeah so when so when we started uh so I actually had the idea in my head before of what it would do and after sitting down with Brennan and I, I, we broke it down and said, okay, if you could, if you could actually take a major, like, we, like I said, in this, in the sea of all these broadheads, if you could take like a, like a baseline, a ruler of what, of what that would be to create the perfect broadhead, um, what would it be? And we came up with literally like, we call them four pillars or, or, or four ideas. Um, and that's, uh, flight penetration, durability, durability, and lethality. Um, and we can go and go and talk about all of those for sure. Um, if you can excel as a broadhead manufacturer in all four of those categories, um, you've truly done something, something special. You haven't just designed a thin razor blade, uh, you know, razor blade broadhead that's, uh, will slice through, but then it hits bone and deflects and causes bad deflection shots or hits bone and crumbles and cracks your arrow. Um, you know, you don't have a, big long blade length that that causes it to to uh you know continue to porpoise downrange because it's picking up air and not not able to deflect it off or you have a you know a wider a wider cut when it hits it it, it rotates and causes the arrow shaft to go a specific way or you can't get it to fly long range and when it actually hits at long range then it loses penetration because you have all these moving parts trying to open up uh in in a direction perpendicular to the object that you're trying to hit so there's a lot of things that went into um, what, like I said, in my thought process of what that would be, you know, a lot of fixed blade broadheads are really noisy because they have vents and cutouts that causes wind disturbance. And that's what you're actually hearing. It's I mean, guys will mess with their veins and do a bunch of stuff and say, Hey, I'm getting the same noise. Well, it's coming from the front end of the arrow because that those blades are so wide and they have so much cutout. Um, but then again, problem with the cutout, right? You're actually, that's a, that's the more cutouts you have, it's like a, a bow, right? Like your riser, Cody, I can see in the background, it's got so many cutouts in it, and I'm not, not going to wait, but I believe it's a white Cause I can tell by the, by the yep, back of the, <laughs> the, <back laughs> yeah. the riser, but, um, think about they're only allowed so many holes before that thing becomes structurally weak. Right. Same thing with a broadhead, the more holes you have and the bigger those holes get the, the, the structurally, uh, the less structural durability it has when it hits something hard. And guys don't realize that. And think about an object hitting another solid object. It doesn't matter how solid the next object is, but if it's got a, if it hits it at two hundred and seventy-three feet per second, right? There's a lot of impact that happens on on, on the front end of an uh, aero shaft. So, going back and thinking about what it you know what what it would take to, to uh, engineer the perfect broadhead. I'm not saying ours is perfect, but um, I said flight penetration, uh, durability, and lethality. So we started testing that broadhead. Um, well, let me, let me rewind, rewind a little bit. Once we got the idea, uh, we took it and got it into a like a kind of like CAD three D design. And when you when I could in my head, I could see it. I could see it three D, but I couldn't. I'm not a am not an artist, and I'm not an engineer. I was just at the time a knuckle dragging cop. So um, <laughs> I could I could visually see what that see what that that round back shape would look like. But I couldn't, in all the drawings, like Brandon's like, hey, can you like, I'm with this guy. Is there any way you can like draw this thing out? And I'm like, dude, I can't draw it any better. Can you just explain to him? It would be like a, uh, take a triangle and make that triangle um, concave. So it's crushed in and then round out the bottom. So once uh, that happened, we, we got a 3D model and we spun it around in a circle. It was the coolest thing to look at because like I said, I saw it in my brain but I've never seen it on paper or in a computer. So same thing, Brandon was like, dude, this thing looks wicked. Like it looks like something out of like a, a Spartan war movie or something. And actually <laughs> it was, we had our hunter grain and our hunter grain was not much different than we have now, just a little bit uh, shorter profile side to side. But our one hundred and twenty-five was like, it was like an extra half inch longer. So it legitimately looked like a spear tip. So, um, you know, when you think about it, right? Like if you look at a Spartan spear tip, from back in the day, even on movies, you can catch it every once in a while. They'll have something a little bit similar, but it's usually a uh, indexed line that goes away from the spearhead itself. And the reason being is the spearhead is, is, is bladed out like that. Usually uh, most of those were made two blade, but it's bladed out like that with that line so it can get rid of blood and viscera fast. That's the whole reason, because the scoop is picking up so much of it, but you have to have it go someplace, right? So, but think about our broadhead, our broadhead is short profile front to back. So we love all that on the front because we get rid of, we get rid of all the drag on the back. So, and I'll talk about that when we talk about penetration, but um, when we saw the 3D model, it was awesome. We ended up getting a, a printed version so we could actually hold a plastic, a real like a real cheap little plastic one in our hands. And we're like, dude, this thing is, is ruthless. It's small, but it looks super, super cool. And I remember telling Brandon I'm like, because he's like, yeah, this thing is tiny. And I was like, yeah, it is. But think about a round, think about that round ball technology. You're gonna move more mass off of that than you would off of something bigger because of this. We have more cutting surface area on that on that little broadhead. When I say little, our .910, our original broadhead, than even a three inch mechanical. So we have more surface area coming into contact with an animal's hide than any broadhead in the world. Think about that for a second, in a small broadhead. So the smaller your broadhead is, Traditionally, right, get it down to a field point. They fly, they fly awesome. So one thing, like we started testing that broadhead. Uh, once we started testing it, the flight was phenomenal. We have guys right now shooting that out past hundred yards, high end guys, and I'm not going to throw names out there, but uh, guys that uh, the industry really look up to. And at a hundred yards, they can't get they can't get a mechanical to outfly or outgroup it at hundred mm-hmm. yards with that original broadhead. That's the one that that's that's our bread and butter, the one we saw most of them in the 100 and
0: 125 grain that's That's cool you mentioned that i was i was going to ask if you guys had done testing on flight and kind of what you were seeing or where you were starting to see wind drift or whatever because i mean i can get good flight out to 60 yards but like that's that's where i'm kind of maxed out with hitting good at broadhead so yeah (laughs) i'm not able to (laughs) test much further
2: yeah, for, and for, you know, not not saying Western guys are better than Eastern guys as far as hunting goes or anything like that, but a lot of Western guys test our stuff out at 80 and, 80 and 100 yards because, for example, like next week when we go chase – Uh, speed goats, Mm -hmm. a lot of those, unless you're hunting ground blind, which most of us aren't, those things won't let you get within 70 or 60 or 70 yards of them. It's usually your shots are about 75 and 80 yards. It just, it is, is what it is. You, you know, guys are like, Oh, you should be a better hunter and stock in. And it's like, well, talk to the majority of hunters out there. If you're proficient and nowadays, right. Your bow, are that like that bow, you got hanging back there, Cody, and, and the and the stuff guys are shooting now is way more efficient than anything was five years ago and and three times as efficient at casting an object than stuff 10 years ago. So right now at 80 yards, any bow in the market, guys are shooting 70 pounds. If you have enough front of center and you're stacked up good, there's not a broadhead out there that won't, that won't do the job, let alone go all the way through a a thin hided antelope at 80 yards. Um, So I mean, to each his own, everyone can hunt wherever they want, but, um, going back to the flight thing, you know, you gotta, you have to be able to be confident and what it's shooting. So, uh, Brandon took the flight thing, uh, and he got back to me and was like, "Hey, uh, you haven't got a shot a chance to shoot this yet." I, I shot it. And so we had about fourteen prototypes made in the 100 and 125 grain. Seven of each went to both of us, and we started testing it. So, Brandon went out first. He shot at uh, shot at uh, I think forty yards, and he was like pinwheeling the target with his field points. And he's like, "Dude, this thing's flying great." Stretched it out seventy and eighty yards. Uh, with no adjustment out of a tuned bow he was hitting right with his field points and he called me up and he said hey it's legit the thing flies for sure and it was a little bit smaller profile not by much uh, side to side um, it was made out of three hundred like three hundred series steel so the steel still was really weak nothing uh, nothing great nothing like what we have now um, but it was obviously prototype so I took it and I said hey I'm gonna go run down to uh, run down to um, this place I know that hole has a bunch of steel barrels. And I said, I'd like to, I'd like to shoot one. And I said, I think I know what's going to happen. I told Brandon, I said, all the materials should be flared out away from that away from the center of the broadhead. And and we should have a monster triangle all the way, you know, similar to our logo in that metal. So sure enough, we went out and tried it shot. I shot against, uh, like three or four different broadheads, like I said, not knocking them or anything like that. But, um, for example, we shot against a three, a uh, very popular, uh, three blade at the time, a hybrid three blade. And it was exactly what I thought that would do. And that's one of the, one of the concepts that I told Brennan about. And my buddy was shooting a two blade at the time that, that he lost that bull. Um, when we shot, through, when I shot through that still drum, it was literally a field point hole with three razor blade slits. It didn't do anything to sheet metal, not saying, sh- not saying sheet metal is the same thing as, as an animal. But think about it. It's a stagnant object that does not want to move. So it's showing you exactly what your broadhead's doing when it hits something very, very hard, similar to a elk shoulder bone or a big, big deer shoulder bone. It's going to give you that filled point with razor blade slits. So we shot that, shot a two blade, same thing. It was a filled point with a little bit stretched out, shot a mechanical, and um, that was a horror story going, going through, uh, going through sheet metal. So I, I won't even go into that one, but it made it through, uh, one side. I think one of the blades opened up the other side, busted in half, I think. So you had like a field point with a little slit out to the side and then a partial slit on one side and then didn't, didn't do anything to the back. Then I shot the annihilator and what I noticed was it went through the drum so fast that the arrow didn't, I had to go over to my neighbor's fence and look through the, I'd, uh, horse fence at the time. And, uh, I looked for the arrow. Um, right when I shot, I kind of walked by the barrel, glanced at it for a second and it took, it, I like my brain didn't register exactly what I was looking at until I got back. I found the arrow and I remember picking it up and I could see like there's little serrated edges cause we were using cheap steel. But one thing I noticed was my arrow was intact and all the fletchings were intact. And I thought for a second, I was like, okay, those, my fletchings and my, and the broadhead edges or blades, um, weren't even in line with each other. But it still pulled everything through that hole. Why is that? So I went back and looked at the hole, and sure enough, it was that it was this triangle hole. So it it the hole that was made by our broadhead did exactly what I designed it to do. I designed it to take the brunt force of the impact and allow the arrow and fletchings behind it to keep doing what they're doing by driving forward, and there's no friction on it. So uh, going back to shooting and stuff like that. Um, one of the things we do at TAC, like there, we're known at T- Total Archer Challenge as the broadhead that will that you can shoot over and over and over that nothing happens. You, you, you're, they're like you, oh, you guys are the car hood guys. That's like the they'll come up and be like, hey, you guys are the car hood guys, right? And we're like, yeah, but we don't we don't show people how durable the broadhead is. I think the last tack we had 400 shots on the same broadhead smoking through the hood. It was the same broadhead. We never even touched it up. But what we are showing people is that through all those shots. How can that small broadhead create it, create that big of a hole to take your arrow and fleshing through. And what we, that what we did by doing that is we, we proved that the broadhead takes the brunt of the friction and the drag. There's no drag on your arrow shaft and veins. So think about it, think about it from a physics standpoint, not saying that we're physicists or anybody's a math scientist here or anything like that. But if your broadhead is low profile, And you can see down the side and you're getting that filled point with razor blade slits. As your broadhead is diving through bone, that bone is grinding and slowing down your arrow shaft because scientifically your head has not moved anything out of the way to allow the arrow to go friction free. Now, when the annihilator hits, that, that cupped wedge on the back is driving so much mass out of the way that the arrow continues to drive. At the speed it was launched with until the broadhead decides to slow down. So now on in, in your head, unscrew those two objects. They're broadhead, right? Fast sheet, uh fast, sleek, shiny ours, uh, round, bulbous, draggy. Now put the arrow shaft on both of those, and you tell me which one has more drag. We sacrificed drag. That's that's one of the reasons why we won that award at the ATA show for best new innovation in 2020, because we flipped. Flip the Broadhead industry upside down. We induced drag on the Broadhead when everyone thought we were crazy. We got, when we first launched, people were like, I wouldn't shoot that at a squirrel. There's no way that's going to fly. That's not going to penetrate. I wouldn't shoot it at a cat. That's not going to penetrate anything. But little did they know that it will, when it hits a solid object and breaks the plane of that solid object, think about it. Nothing is slowing the projectile down until the Broadhead hits the other object versus everyone else, when they hit that solid object, they have dragged down their arrow shaft. Now think about an arrow shaft. Arrow shafts are half inch around times 30 inches long on most of them, plus your veins, right? That's 60 inches of raw drag that every broadhead manufacturer forgot about, except for us. We eliminated all that drag on the back to get the whole projectile through the animal faster. So what we're testing now, we're doing a bunch of testing um, we have to slow it down a little bit because of the uh, hunting season, but we're, uh, we're starting to test multiple objects. So once you hit an object, the speed at which you can, uh, carry to the next object, and we're going to, um, we're going to blow the doors. So like people are going to be very, very surprised at what this thing does. Once it hits a solid object and scoots to the next object where other heads start falling off the map. I'll so be, that's like, I'll be, that's, oh, go ahead, man.
1: Well, I was going to say, I'll, I'll be completely honest. Um, I remember at, uh, cause I, Living in Pennsylvania, we go to I, I did go to Harrisburg every year, um, to help out with BHA, and at the after party, I remember you guys gave away a pack of broadheads, and I I don't remember if it was 2020 or if it was 2019. Must have it probably
2: it. It was twenty uh, twenty at the so. BHA with First Light and. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, yeah. Guys, yeah. That was the one. You guys gave away a pack of broadheads, and I looked at them. And I remember talking to myself, and I remember texting Cody. I'm like, "Yeah, these guys gave away some." I was like, "He, he asked what, what they were giving away." I was like, "Broadheads, et cetera." And he's like, "Oh, well, the broadheads." I was like, "I don't know. I'm not sure they'll fly very good <laughs> because I saw the cup design, and my yeah. immediate thought was is that there's going to be drag when you shoot it, but yeah. that's clearly not the case." And
2: yeah, and it's funny too because uh, so if you were in that room, um, there was a guy who goes by Relentless Hunter. Uh, his name's Jeff Moran. Uh, he was on a full draw film tour. He shot a, a bull at like 60 something yards, just crushed it. And then he took our 125 X, the XL and put it, uh, uh, put it through uh, a bull. I think I want to say the bulls was forty forty 40, yards or something like that. And just put it through bull shoulder. And he said that the bull just dropped like it got hit with a bullet. And he was actually in that room. That's um, funny. You say that he was actually in that room. So when, when we are talking to guys there, like all of first light I a lot of those guys they all shoot. I'm friends with all those guys. I actually ran their pro staff for uh, two years for first light from California when I was mm-hmm. cop. So, uh, I know, and all those guys that were in that room now, uh, they'll, uh, shoot, shoot annihilator. But, um, yeah, it was pretty cool that, um, guys are there and, 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 you know, you bring up something like that and instantly I, I go to someone who was in the room that had a ton of experience out of the gate when right. people didn't even know what our broadheads are. And still to this day, people, people don't know, um, they're they're going to know pretty soon. Yeah, if sure. I mention yeah.
1: it, I'm on uh, another friend group I have. They they all typically shoot the same broadhead they found you know a few years ago
2: mm-hmm.
1: because it works and it works for them. Yeah, I, I and we,
2: we always tell guys like guys will call us and be like, well, I'm really like you know I'm really liking this. And we always tell them, hey, like like I'm not going to sink your boat. Like if you if you believe in what you have and you want to shoot it, it's, it's what you know it's everything you thought it would be. Then keep shooting it, but. It's the guys that, that it's the horror stories that you hear when they come up to us at a booth and they're like, dude, if I would have had that on at this, it, it, it could have went through. And that's what we play at, like Harrisburg and stuff. We'll just play videos where arrows are just screaming through their shoulders and deer are just buckling. Like we played one video last year where a guy out of Texas uh, sh- shot a deer through the shoulders uh, in eight point. Um, I think that's what you guys call them, right? Because I, yeah. I mean, I have one up on the wall right there, but Western uh, <laughs> you, not, guys, not, 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 fours, yep, but you guys call them four by fours, but you guys call them eight four. points. Four. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, he shot right through the shoulders and it, uh, it goes through this buck so fast, um, just buckles both of his shoulders. It skips off the ground and almost hits another buck in the face after it. It's got so much momentum. The end, end of it ends up flinging over the top of it, hits the ground and then tumbles over and, and there's like a half foot away from hitting another buck in the face. And the other buck was like 15 yards behind him. And, uh, the guy who was shot was a uh, level playing field, uh with the deer at thirty yards and went through both of his shoulders and, and he's he's this when I say guy he's a kid, he's a seventeen year old kid um out of Texas that just his dad gets I think it's called like a PLM tag or something like something where he goes and buys property and he gets to hunt it and then his dad buys another piece of property and he hunts it and sells it and um Brandon and I get pissed, not trying to go on a tangent, but we're like, dude, we're Western hunters. It's like you get two deer tags in two different states. You get a couple elk tags and a bear tag and that's about it. And these guys are over there in Texas, just laying the hammer down.
0: So. <laughs> All right, State but, of opportunity. Yeah. So that's like the, like I said, just the flight of it.
2: Um, you know, the flight of it's unmatched, um, the durability, right? Uh, what people don't realize like we've had guys they are like, why don't you make a stainless steel broadhead? So, If you go back and think about stainless steel, right, you you have them in your kitchen, you know, because you don't want them to rust in your sink. But knives aren't good for striking hard objects because the edges fold over, right? Uh, They're good for one-time past use, um, and that's for cutting alone. Think about what we said earlier. Broadheads are designed to hemorrhage, right? So everyone's made super shiny, uh, sleek, flat-bladed broadheads to slice through uh, animal hide. But what happens when you hit bone? The thinner your blade edge is, right? The easier it is to roll over on itself. What happens if you have like a bleeder ba- blade or a real thin blade totally bend on you and roll all the way over? It's going to take your arrow and that projectile, go whichever way the bend was and continue to follow. That's why a lot of guys don't realize, you know, uh, shooting mechanicals and stuff like that. On quartering two shots, you have a mechanical event opening up in, inside of an animal. And one of those blades decides to bend, takes that broadhead and goes whichever way it wants to on the bend. So the annihilator, um, we said, what's the most indestructible thing we could make this thing out of? Like, what would be the, the the best, badass baddest thing we could do? We said, okay, well, we can go into high, high high-end Rockwell. And we're like, well, problem with high-end Rockwell, like you get into the, when I say Rockwell, that's the hardness of a metal object, right? Um, 63 Rockwell, stuff like that, 70 Rockwell, you can get razor blades insanely sharp, but the problem is the higher that Rockwell goes, the more brittle and bendable and breakable the metal mm. becomes you bring that down into an object uh, say like 4140 is what what we use 4140 4140 the molecules bounce around and come right back now think about our broadhead it's on a pyramid any way you if you i wish you guys actually had one so you could see it as i was talking to you grab that broadhead and look at it any way you look at it it's uh it's a pyramid any any way you look at it top bottom to the side pyramids one of the strongest shapes I ever designed now add the fact that the blade edges, the blade length isn't that long and we're pitched at 30 thou, but we're only pitched at 30 thou at the very, very end. So we go from like a hundred thou to thirty thou on the very very end. So our edges will never roll over. You could that's why you can shoot that broadhead over and over and over and over, going through animals and pull it out and it still looks exactly the same. And 4140, that's the same stuff the hammers are made out of. Hammers are designed to strike objects over and over and over and not splinter or break right That's why hammers are made like that you wouldn't want a hammer to a, a, a stainless steel hammer to hit a hard object one time because it shoots sparks and pieces of metal at you because the metal becomes too brittle to break off so, so that's the durability side of like 4140.
1: yeah while we're talking about the you mentioned that the blade angle of uh, the, the bevel angle I guess is 30 degrees yeah so I'm sure you've seen this guys are using a different jig to sharpen to get Mm -hmm. it to 44 degrees. What does that do to your broadhead? Is that a detriment to the design or anything like that?
2: Um, No. So uh, one of the comments we've had and, and and going back to think about what we talked about earlier about the hemorrhaging, right? The mechanical and like we talked about mechanicals and, and fixed blades. Mechanicals are designed to hemorrhage alone. That's why the blades are so big, right? The longer cutting blade you have, the more laceration and more, it's called capillary refill. You can actually see it when you pinch your finger and let go of it. your finger or go from red to white or from white to red. And that's that's your capillaries refilling blood um, at a specific rate. So mechanicals that are designed to have that capillary refill, that'll happen faster. The annihilator has a short blade profile so it doesn't cause capillary refill to happen as quickly as, a, as another broadhead would because it's not lacerating. But what we're, we're doing at the same time, um, and this is something I can talk to uh, in closing on the last pillar that I want to talk about is lethality, is our broadhead is blowing a hole open, allowing that hole not to close. And then our broadhead is also cutting the inside of that hole. So it's a, it's a it's like a two-layer safety system when our broadhead hits. It's a lot different than just hemorrhaging. So that 4140, going back to your question, you can get our broadheads, uh, broadheads insanely sharp. Um, I don't ever get mine past an 800 grit or 600 grit. For me, that's perfectly fine because I know that when that broadhead hits, it's doing something different. It's not just relying on its hemorrhaging factors to kill the animal. So you can take a beveled stone. And I think, uh, Lusk, Lusk talks about it, um, on one of his, uh, one of his videos that he does, but you can take a beveled stone and get that 30 degrees to bite in deeper. And what they, what they actually call that is uh, it's a, called a hollow grind. You take your 30 degrees on one side and kick that one edge in. And as you rotate the blade, it's got two edges on each side. So you're actually sharpening six edges every time you rotate the broadhead 360 degrees. Mm-hmm. So you're actually pitching that 30 degrees and getting it like more at a, at a steeper angle. Problem with that is you're asking for, that blade edge to, to roll over, you're asking, um, you're asking for it to, even though it's sturdy, you're asking for it to get, uh, to get chip chipping down the actual blade edge itself, because you've made that blade thickness, uh, a lot steeper, which means you're taking material away from both sides, making the blade edge itself thin like a knife, right? Like we, Mm -hmm. like we were talking about, there's a reason why knives are stainless steel and they're high end, high end, uh, stainless steel. Uh, pitched at you know 10 to 15 degrees because they're designed to cut through stuff we're pitched at 30 degrees at the very end coming off of like 150 um, because our broadheads aren't designed to just cut through stuff they're designed to like i said that that's the whole package not just the blade we take the blade and the broadhead together and what it's doing versus just taking like the blade or some of them will say, oh, I have a chisel tip that's, you know, chisel tip on mine that crushes bone. Well, a chisel tip does not crush bone. A chisel tip is designed to do what a chisel is designed to do, chisel stuff out of the way. But the problem is you still have that friction down the Aero Chef that's slowing you down. So the chiseling part of it, um, I'd actually probably take a field point over a chisel tip any day of the week because at least it's radiating it away from the, from the the bro- from the actual front 360 degrees versus on a plane three different times.
1: So it's not necessarily a bad thing but it does take away from the dirt from the durability that you talk about and it takes away from the um i guess the balance between the two things that your broadhead is created to do
2: yeah yeah so that's like the like i said we thought we touched on flight we touched on uh penetration now it's like i said now it's or sorry flight and durability um with the 4140 uh durability also the the you know broadheads you can lay them flat on a stone but a lot of guys don't know if you take that stone and turn it sideways so you get the broadhead so now the broadhead is sitting perpendicular to your stone drag it to where it's sitting with a shank off of the stone at the very end and you can rock it back onto its back edges and we're the only broadhead in the world that i know of that's been designed where you can sharpen the front edges and the back edges on a flat stone so the broadhead itself will rock up, get onto its back edges, and you just go side to side on the stone to sharpen the back edges. And guys are like, well, why do you need a sharp? Why do you need the back edges sharpened?" sharpen? And I'm like, well, if you think about it, like I said, in the grand scheme of when we were thinking about the ultimate broadhead, if for say you don't get a pass through for some odd reason, because that's definitely not the case for the most part with our broadheads, is that those sharpened edges will cut on the way back. But also it's it's. Probably, without a doubt, the easiest broadhead in the world to pull out of a, of a dense target because, one, it's not building up friction as it goes in, but, two, the edges are sharp on the back, so it just slides right back out. In and they're sharp uh, on the back because we want you to use the broadheads over and over and over and over.
1: Yeah. In case Cody puts another one into his bag target, are they pretty easy <laughs> to pull out of those, too?
2: Uh, bag target? Um, <laughs> ba- from what I hear, it's uh, actually really, really easy because it's doing the same thing as just pushing all that material out of the way as it goes in uh, versus... Oh, okay. Just going in and with a field point, and then like like I said, cutting two little thin or three little thin areas out of it. Um, but uh, I did that. I mean, we used to tell guys too. You know, you could take your traditional, like I said, traditional, just you know, not knocking track guys, but your traditional broadhead shoot into a solid foam target, and as you pull it out, shoot the annihilator too, and you tell me which one's the easiest one to pull out. If we have this big wedge on the on the front, one we shouldn't be able to penetrate as deep as as everybody else, but we do. And two, when you go to pull it out of the target, it should be bound up because there's more mass on the back of the broadhead. But what it's actually doing is it's pushing its way through, not allowing the, the arrow shaft to come in contact with the, with the, um, with the rubber or the uh, composite until it finally starts slowing down. So we tell guys, hey, go home and shoot three or 3 or broadheads if you have a high poundage or some guy that's, that can cook at like 300 feet per second. Have them shoot uh, all the same, uh, all, you know, three or four different broadheads all in the same arrows and watch which one pulls out the easiest And not only that which one doesn't have the melted material on it you know when you shoot field points or whatever or other broadage you got to sit there and scrape all the stuff off of your arrow shaft well what that stuff is is because your arrow went into a solid object at 273 feet per second and went in with so much force that it's actually melting the object to the arrow shaft shoot the annihilator and you won't have any of that because it's not building up the friction on the arrow shaft
0: yeah now that you say that i'd i'd never put that together until now. Yeah. You pull that out and there's like that head is clean. It comes out yep. e- easy and it's clean compared to some other heads I'd shot before where, yeah, you get that little bit of buildup, like on that red morale target. You always had that little bit of like red residue on there.
2: Yeah. That's uh that's friction melting, the melting, melting the object to your aer- arrow shaft, proving friction. Like if ah, I told you not, interesting. If I just walked somebody out and said, here, shoot 10 broadheads into this target out of a, out of a good pound, you know, 70 pound bow or whatever most guys are shooting nowadays and i could almost i could say hey now pull them all out and hold the end of them uh unscrew the arrow shafts you mark which one had the annihilator on it and i'll find it blindfold because it won't have anything built up on the arrow shaft
0: yeah that's interesting i never like yeah. i said i never put together why that was but now that you say that yeah they're they are like clean as a whistle coming out of there yeah
2: and you should you should notice too when you go to pull it it's like you start pulling the thing comes right out like it doesn't we've had guys like Oh, through yeah. your shoe and stuff, thinking that they're going to yank this broadhead that's wedged in this foam target, flip it over and they pulling up on it right through the side of your shoe. And it's because it's, you know, it's going in there and the the, the broadhead's taking the brunt, the arrow shaft's not.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Cool to know the yeah. why behind it.
2: Yep. So that's a flight and and durability. Uh, and uh, like I said, now let's talk about penetration. I covered part of that and that part of that is the fact that that hedge is that head is wedging as it's going through, allowing the arrow shaft to come in behind it friction free. So we tell guys, it's, it's literally think about it like this: if you got, you know, you're driving down the driving down the road, and a big rig was in front of you, and that big rig crashed into something, uh, the reason why they do so much damage is one: the kinetic energy that they carry, right? They're carrying a lot of cars, but the, the reality is, is just because that front of that truck stopped doesn't mean what's behind it wants to stop, right? So what what's behind it wants to keep, keep driving forward so think about that when our broadhead hits or what you're shooting now when you hit something the arrow wants to keep going forward right because that's it's it's propelled at 290 280 whatever you guys are shooting it wants to keep driving forward but the broadhead itself is actually uh, allowing friction to get built up on the arrow shaft which slows them down where ours as it's going forward right think about it think about this too i mentioned this to someone at a I think Gauss or one of those shows think about uh, a kid, right? Going down a slide, right? A a slide is kind of very similar to, to the annihilator shape. You know, it's close kind of like scoopy a little bit. If you take it and run it, uh, run it as the kid's getting shot off the bottom, especially if they get enough speed, but now, right. Take that kid and put them in wet shorts or get that slide wet. And what do you think happens to that kid? He wants to shoot off even further because there's right. That, 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 that viscous material that's on that slide is actually getting shot off and moving, moving the mass, which is the child off the slide even faster. So think about the annihilator when it hits solid, when it hits mass viscous material, that's wet, and slippery, especially when the head is building up friction, all that stuff gets shot off away from the annihilator insanely fast,
1: just like a slide.
2: Now right? you mentioned- if you were to dig a hole in your yard, what's the best tool? What's the best tool to dig a hole in your yard? Everybody's got one. I'm not talking about gardening gen- I'm not talking about guarding. I'm talking about digging a hole. Right. If you wanted to bury somebody, what would be the fastest way to bury them? A, <laughs> a shovel, <random>. right? Yeah. <laughs> and he could
0: bring he could bring a
2: shovel. Yep. Yeah. A shovel. <laughs> now, think about, now think about the annihilator, put three of those shovels together.
0: Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Good
2: point. Now now look at how much dirt you could move if you push three of those shovels together in a triangle. You can move yep. a lot
1: more dirt out of the way with three of them versus one of them. Now, for, for, for whitetail guys with penetration, do you recommend them to have a a heavier setup than what you would normally see? I mean, I'm, I'm saying, like, you know, someone's shooting 70 pounds, um, and they have a 420-grain arrow total weight.
2: Yeah. So, what, what we found, like I said, I'm not going to knock um, whitetail guys versus uh, uh, western guys or anything like that, but what we've experienced from Brandon and I going to all these tax and going all over the country. Uh, I mean, I think at one point we were in seven States in like two days um, doing stuff. So uh, we've talked to the gamut of bow hunters, that's for sure. All the way from Hawaii, all the way up to New York and, you know, down to Florida and everywhere. But um, one thing that's constant that we've noticed, and you can actually, um, if I didn't tell you this now, you can go back and watch either your, your highlight reels or uh, a, a film series. When whitetail guys shoot um, out of tree stands or or whatever the ground blinds, usually it's out of tree stands because you can actually see the trajectory of the arrow better. um, You're going to see one thing that's almost 95% constant. You're going to see a lighted knock that's spinning in a circle. And the reason why it's spinning in a circle, when I say not just a tight circle, a very large circle, it looks like it's doing this downrange on every single, almost every single one that we've seen. What's happening is the arrow is flexing Side it's called pitching and yawing. It's mm-hmm. flexing side to side and up and down so fast that your mind thinks it's actually spinning in a circle when it's not, it's going like this really fast. So your mind thinks it's actually corkscrewing really bad into a circle. What happens is right. Think about whitetail guys, everyone's obsessed with speed. They want to get that arrow there as fast as they possibly can. But here's the problem when you load a bow up and, the, and your projectile at the front is not adequate to handle that speed and that force coming off your arrow pitches and yaws all the way down to the target and never recovers. Now think about now you screw a mechanical on there, right? As that thing's going up and down and side to side, then you have a mechanical event open up into an animal that's perpendicular to the driving force of what's happening. Now that, now that whole projectile has to straighten itself out up and down and side to side, hopefully as fast as it can to drive straight through the object. Mm. We tell guys what one thing that we've noticed is not so much weight when you go by arrows, do not ever be afraid to stiffen your spine on your arrow mm. like you get so if, for example um shout out to victory archer we've been shooting them for a long time we shoot that rip tko arrow and we absolutely love it reason being is you can i can mess with any of the components i can change the weight let's say 8.7 grains in a in a uh, 350 spine i can jump down to a 250 spine and i didn't grain gain very bit any any weight at all So so in the same setup, I can shoot a 75 pound bow if I wanted in a 250 spine and it's launching that projectile and the arrow is recovering faster. So what we tell guys is it's not so much how much poundage you're pulling because these bows are going back to what we said earlier. These bows are so fast, it doesn't matter. It's the amount of time it takes for that arrow to stabilize itself and then want to drive through the object straight. So when you go out and shoot, like going back to the lighted knock thing, we always tell guys: if you have a big field, go out at night, grab all your friends, and have you take a 350 spine arrow and shoot it out of your 72 pound or 73 pound bow or whatever, with a lighted knock. Then shoot a you know shoot a 350, shoot a 400. Then shoot a 350. Then shoot a 300. And then shoot a 250. Watch what happens when you shoot that 250. You're going to see that lighted knock go like a laser because that it recovers so fast because the spine is so stiff in that projectile. Once your arrow's flying with just a little slight rotation and it hits an object, it just wants to drive pile, drive right through mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So guys in the whitetail world are, are going so fast with bow speeds, but they're not, they're not compensating for the arrow spine. So we tell guys, shoot, whatever you want, stiffen your spine, any broadhead in the world will go through it at these at most. And what do you guys mostly shoot 25 yards, 20 yards out of, out of, out of tree stands for the most part, the Yeah, probably
0: 30 max.
2: Yeah. 30 max. I mean, it's so do you think, so let's say, say Cody, say, let's just say, for example, you're a 29 or 30 inch draw. Let's just, Mm -hmm. let's just say, um, say at 8.7 grains versus 8.8 grains, do you think that deer is going to jump the string because you grant you you gained two or three grains at 30 yards? Mm -mm. Not going to jump that string because it's not going to get there any, any amount of time noticeably different. I mean, maybe fractions of a fractions of a second different that and there's no reason why you can't so what going back to your question what we've noticed is a lot of guys in the whitetail world are under spine because they want it to get there as fast as possible versus guys out west that shoot long range have to make sure you're because you'll know you'll know once you start stretching that envelope what the arrow flight looks like and there's there's nothing you can do to fix it if you're not spine right so we always tell guys don't be afraid to spine up spine up and go out there and shoot as many pounds as you want because that that spine is where you're going to get the best best uh aero flight regardless of what veins or what rod you put you got to be spine right first
0: you mentioned That's veins this awesome. was something i wanted to ask earlier and i kind of forgot about flight what kind of veins are you guys like having good luck with steering these with are you able to go a little smaller because of the design or what, what yeah. have you guys found
2: so uh interesting you said that um So with the original one, we've had that tested with four veins, uh, three veins, hard helical, no helical, um, taller profile in line with the broadhead, not in line with the broadhead. Um, And what we found is that original broadhead needs very, very, very little help on the back end. It doesn't matter what you put back there. It's not going to affect it that much because the broadhead itself, is the the amount of uh, surface area that's pushing air out around the broadhead is so small as far as the turbulence being affected that it doesn't really matter what, what, uh, what's happening on the back. We've had guys shoot feet of aims, which are like one eight sevens, um, tiny things at 60 yards. And, they'll, and the guys have never shot our broadheads before we we've, we've seen them shoot and we'll say, Hey, let's screw this on real quick at a 60 yards side by side attack with field points, never shooting our broadheads before. Now the XLs, because they are the, the XL, if you put the XL next to the original, it is way bigger. So when I when we say um, the XL and guys get it and they're like, that's not XL, what does that mean? That's still a small broadhead. We're like, no, 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 no. What you're looking at is an extruded version of the original. Like they're the same footprint. You can put one broadhead in the back of the the original in the back of that one, and then you just bring the blades out. So that's where that's where that XL comes from. So guys that want to shoot that. For most people at 40 yards, what that brought, out, think about a plane wing, right? When a plane wing is beveled so it causes lift, you got to match that lift on the back of your arrow shaft. And you do that by having a little bit taller profile vein and a shorter configuration that's lighter. Um, blazers, for example, like a, not, not, um, not, not a slap in the back of blazer or any, anything like that, but we've done quite a bit of testing and a blazer in just a standard offset with no heel pull at all will keep that, keep that XL really flat. It, it, but the, what the XL likes is speed. Um, reason being is the longer the flight time for that XL, the more it wants to, the more it wants to drop off. So the, if that XL gets to the target target as fast as it can, like say a 280, 290 feet per second bow, we have guys that are shooting at 290s at hundred yards are putting them right on top of fill points. So the XLs do require a little bit more tinkering, especially for guys like I, I'm a 28 inch draw. I can't shoot that XL without doing a bunch of tinkering out past 50, 50, 60 yards for me. I didn't design design the XL to fly like the original. We we designed it for whitetail guys that came to our booth at at Harrisburg and ATA and they said it's too small. And we're like too small for a thousand pound elk crushing elk or too small for the biggest (laughs) whitetail you've ever seen in your life. Trust me, it's enough. But if you want a bigger broadhead, I'll make you a bigger broadhead.
1: I feel like whitetail guys are, they fall victim to worrying about. They'll say it in the same sentence, like the guys that you're talking about that come to your booth, they're worried about shit going wrong, one, mm-hmm. which is why they want a bigger head. But then at the same sentence, they'd be like, "Well, if you if you put it in the right spot, it d- doesn't matter." Mm-hmm. Which is yeah. usually kind of funny to me. But like what, what you're saying, like I, I shoot a, my bow is a little bit slower with the mm-hmm. with the arrow setup I have. I shoot right around probably two sixty 260 to two sixty five feet per second. Mm-hmm. and i and quite frankly I, I don't want to tinker that much so i'll probably yeah. end up shooting the regular
2: yeah for at, at that speed at that speed at 30 yards at 30 yards that xl assuming that your bow is tuned the xl is a little bit more finicky um, we've had guys say hey it's at 40 and 50 yards your broadheads are out to the right at 6, six, uh, six inches and uh, my field points are dead on and we're like, well, you sighted your bow into where your field points are hitting. that doesn't mean that your arrow is casting straight off your bow And guys are like, well what do you mean?" And we're like have you ever heard of French tuning or walkback tuning?" And they're like, no, I got it tuned at the bow shop And I'm like, no, that's just a starting point. That's telling you that you're that it's coming off your bow straight, not coming off at an angle but it's still not casting straight And guys are like, well, what do you mean?" And we say We spent more time last year at Total Archer Challenges talking to guys about walk-back tuning their setup and arrow spine than we did selling broadheads. (laughs) Um, I should actually get paid by victory for how many arrows I sold uh, because we had guys, we talked to them about spine and and how to get front of center and shooting arrows and stuff. But guys don't realize that, you know, if you shoot at, if you hang a vertical tape line and if you could get five of your buddies together with solid block targets, hang a white vertical tape line and put a little cross at the top, shoot that cross at 20 yards, and if you're, if you're dead center, then you're good. Walk back to 30 yards and keep using your 20-yard pin. Walk back to 40 yards. Keep using your – and you're going to progressively see those arrows fall on that line. If they start tapering off to the left or right, without a doubt, it doesn't matter how good you shoot. That's telling me that, you're, that you've are that you never walked back to that arrow rest. And so your arrow is casting out to the side. When you screw our broadhead on and it casts to the side – that that's telling you that our broadhead is flying. So true. It's actually taking the trajectory and staying on that same plane versus you shooting your field points and then say, saying, okay, my field points are dialed, but that doesn't tell you anything. That just tells you that your field points are grouping to one side or the other, because you've never walked back to your
0: error. List. So like if somebody say someone wanted to like a white tail guy, wanted to shoot the XLs or whatever, mm-hmm. um, like what, I mean, are they good to take those like out West for elk too? Would you recommend they have some regulars for, for elk or what do you, what do you usually tell them those guys?
2: Um, yeah, so it's kind of the, that answer is kind of twofold. One, uh, I usually tell them, you know, have you ever walked back to your rest? What's your bow speed? If guys are saying that they're under 280, we tell them that without, with some tinkering, you can get those to fly flat, long range out past 15, 60 yards. For example, for me, right. Think about what we talked about earlier, the blade, blade length, right? The mm-hmm. XL. When I go out whitetail hunting and pig hunting, I can take any of my broadheads and I know they're going to do the job. I shoot a 125. I shoot about 17% FOC. I think that's about the sweet spot. And what we've done with our testing with that military guy is that 15 to 18% is, is phenomenal. It's called a ballistic trajectory. It, it, it's like it, you take a rock and just throw it. And you can actually take your arrow shaft and do the same thing. Put your weight on your arrow shaft and just throw it like you're pitching a rock in a river out in the field. If that, arrow doesn't take the turn, you don't have enough trajectory of flight to actually steer that thing the way it's supposed to steer and the way it's supposed to fall. A lot of guys, the whitetail guys, we've had them do an attack, they'll take their arrows and throw them and they fall almost flat to the ground, proving that they have no FOC in that. And part of that FOC causes a lot of trajectory problems in flight. But we tell guys, hey, if you're gonna shoot, away, shoot the XLs, just uh, shoot them, shoot them out the distance. You'll, you're going to see where your efficient, where your uh, insufficiencies in your setup are, whether it's arrow spine or your veins, and then get get comfortable. For example, I don't shoot like I said. I don't shoot the XLs hunting out past fifty yards for me because I have a slow bow, slow bow. I don't. I have a prototype bow that's not on the market yet. It's slow. It's short axle. The axle. A lot of guys have seen it, but um, I shoot. I shoot in my quiver. I carry two originals up front and three in the back. If I'm in elk country, and elk comes crashing through the trees and I don't have an arrow on, I know I just pull one of the back ones out and that's got the XL on it at 30 yards, he's going to get it. But if he wants to stand out there at 50, 60, 70, 80 yards and I feel comfortable taking the shot, I'm going to send one of those little ones through him because it's going to fly like a dart and it's going to penetrate deeper. So you have more drag on out the distance. You're going to have more drag on the broadhead itself, not the projectile because they're both moving mass away from the arrow shaft, but you're going to have more drag on the projectile. Um, or sorry that that broadhead itself with shooting the xls out to distance it'll be it'll be minimal but it compounds the farther out you go because your 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 arrows you're starting to slow down your arrow speeds
1: yeah yeah that makes sense so, um we have a
2: lot of guys that are shooting like i said you're a speed guy come on out west and use those xls get them get them flying right for you whether that means vein tinkering a lot of guys don't realize too you can take veins on your arrow shaft and if you take your jig and move your jig a quarter inch to the front or a quarter inch to the back, you move to the back, mm. you actually stabilize and cause more lift to the projectile. You get your you can get your arrows to fly flatter longer distances by moving your veins back. Changes the center of pressure of where that arrow, where that arrow is flying. It will actually take it and lift your arrow up in the air.
1: That's, moving
2: farther forward, it'll take it and dump it.
1: That's fascinating.
2: Yeah. So we've done... Uh, we've done a lot of work outside the scope of broadheads. We've done a ton of work with, uh, like I said, just projectiles in flight. Whether it's a missile, airplane wing, um, we've done a ton of study and a ton of, uh, a ton of research before. Like I said, not before we launch, but just knowing what how things operate in flight, let alone a broadhead. So,
0: yeah, that's yeah, that, cool. that, That's that, good stuff. Yeah, that leads us,
2: yeah, that leads us to the uh, the last uh, the last of those four, and that's uh, mm-hmm. lethality, right? And this is, this is by no means, this is when I say number four, this is actually the most important thing. And this is what we pride ourselves on, uh, as bow hunters, as, uh, as people who designed the annihilator. So when that broadhead hits, what's happened, we've actually proven this and, uh, shout out to, uh, Jake Sleesman of Blue Collar Outdoors. He's actually the only person, um, that will jump on our threads and has done testings, testing enough with enough broadheads to say that our broadhead is actually doing it. So when you shoot our broadhead into ballistic gel, um, you will see a ring away from where the broadhead enters and it will stay inside the ballistic gel. It doesn't ever go away. What happens is, is that as that wedging effect is going in, it's, cr- it's collapsing everything around the broadhead away from the arrow shaft. Um, and that ring you see is collapsed gel matter away from the broadhead because it is literally hitting like a ballistic bullet, but obviously not at the speeds. It's moving so much mass because it has to, by design. So think about what happens when you hit an animal, right? Um, and this is, like I said, that last pillar, that the, the lethality part. And this is what, like I said, what we, uh, what we pride ourselves on when that broadhead hits, or let's just say a broadhead in general, when it hits, it goes through, uh, you get the film point with razor blades. They even hit them in the lungs, the animals, the animals dead on its feet. Right. But think about how small, even with a two blade, you know, guys are like, oh, look at that gash. But the gash is still, it's still a gash in a in two dimensions. So it just collapses on itself at some point. So when you hit an object, when you hit an animal uh, through the lungs with another broadhead, this is exactly what happens. Uh, you've popped both of their lungs and you've exited both sides, right? Animal takes off running. It doesn't know it's been shot by a broadhead, obviously instinctually, it says I heard a sound and I got hit with something, so now I'm running. Um, and obviously people can talk about whether or not it hurts or anything like that, or animals have feelings, but that's a whole different topic. <laughs> Animal takes off running. It's so think about it now, right? It's lungs are popped. You popped it with whatever rod head you're shooting. Air is going down its throat so fast. It's going into lungs that have collapsed. So where does that air go? Right. It bounces off a wound channel that is, that has a filled point with razor blade slits that's sitting there and hissing because the pressure inside that animal's cavity is building up so much that that pressure can't go anywhere. Think about what a lung does, right? A lung blows up, fills up, but it's circulating oxygen back into your system. And then it collapses and fills back up. That's how, that's how lungs work, right? That animal's cavity has now become a third lung. Even though it's not recirculating the oxygen, it is still trapping air inside of it, allowing the animal to do one thing and one thing only. That stand on its feet and continue to run because it hasn't it hasn't had a chance to uh, one run out of oxygen yet or two uh, deflate itself. You and I are standing and we're talking here is because our lungs are inside of a sealed sealed object, right? The worst thing that can happen to our our uh, you know veterans and stuff that have gone overseas is either an amputation from like a you know like a like a uh, uh, ID or something like that or a right or a sucking chest wound. That is a hole through your cavity that's letting air out faster than you're able to stop it, trap, and keep air inside your cavity. So now go back and think about what we were saying about traditional broadheads. Field point razor blade doesn't matter how you look at it. a Two blades is exactly the same thing. A three blade, a four blade, a a swinging mechanical. It's all a field point with some form, whether it's three or four blades. So the air, the animal's taken off and it it stayed on its feet so long that the Pressure has built up inside of his cavity, right? So then you, you find the animal, great blood trail, whatever you walk over to it, hundred, yards away, 150 yards away, or whatever, however far it made it. And the animal's sitting there hissing at you. Well, it's hissing at you because the hole that you just created inside of his cavity is not large enough to let air out. Air, air is not, air is not big around. Air is really thin, right? But because, the, because the hole you created with whatever you sent through that animal is not allowing it to escape. The air now is starting to hiss out because it's built up so much. The pressure inside is so great that now it's hissing out again. So now let's talk about the annihilator. When the annihilator hits, the hole that's created behind it is so big, 360 degrees around, um, that when it goes through an animal, air goes in, it goes out. So if air goes in, it goes out, and the same animal is shot with something else, it it cannot repressurize its system, which means it cannot stay on its feet. So if an animal can't stand on its feet, what's it going to do? It's going to lay down, right? As soon as it lays down, all the air is out of them. Everything's collapsed. The animal's dead because it's not, it's not recirculating the air. So what happens when our, that broadhead hits is it's moving so much mass out of the way. The arrow's going through friction-free. But what it's actually doing as well, and this is the concept that people still to this day fight us with, and we've already proven it. Uh, we have all the, we have all the videos. We have a, a bunch of stuff we're still working on, but we've proven it. And it's called cavitation. Bullets kill by percussion and ripping and tearing flesh, but they also cause cavitation. There's uh, th- that's what bullets do. That's what the other the other object that people hunt with, right? Um, other projectile or whatever they throw at an animal. Our broadhead causes cavitation because the hide does not have a chance when it hits the arrow when the hide hits the broadhead. It's, it's jacked up at like 40 degrees by the time that hide slaps down onto the arrow shaft, this all goes back to what we were talking about earlier about flight with, with air getting trapped on objects. When that hide comes back onto the arrow shaft, because you're shooting at 230 feet per second, 290 feet per second, you've actually trapped and entrained the air going into the animal's cavity because we're not a, a we're not a filled point with razor blades where the wound channel opens and collapses right away. The hide is trapped, traps the air underneath it onto the arrow shaft we actually bring that into the animal's cavity jack them up pump it's like a hypodermic needle going inside of them pumping them up as fast as we can when our broadhead pokes out the other side you actually have to um, take the cavity and repressurize it you do that by sucking low atmospheric pressure on the inward side all the way through the animal's cavity so we literally it's like taking a hypodermic needle launching it out and pumping them up flat and then sucking them pumping them up and then sucking them flat so that lethality part what we like to say is we give you a step of lethality that no one else is able to accomplish because of the design of their broadhead our broadhead does not kill by hemorrhaging alone it actually kills by hemorrhaging and by percussing at the same time
0: yeah when i read about uh i think it was on the website read about like the that that concept and like the sucking chest wound and that that kind of resonated with me uh not something i ever had to deal with but i know know what they are. So when I thought about that in in terms of, of, uh, on a deer or an elk or something, that made a lot of sense.
2: Yeah. So now let's take about, let's, let's talk real quick about um, all the stuff that I brought up, the flight penetration, durability and lethality. Um, now think about shot placement, right? Like go back to what we were talking about. If your spine, right. If your arrows, if your arrow spine, right. And you have our broadheaded on the end of it and you're shooting a 70 pound bow, what is going to stop you from taking, not an, an unethical shot, but a shot that you might not take with something else, um, through say a hard quartering two or something like that, the broadhead is going to absolutely drive through bone easy, like drive through bone. Like it's not even there because it's not slowing the projectile down. So when you're cutting all the way across an animal is actually more lethal than cutting, uh, cutting through two, two sets of rib cages because you're trashing so much other stuff as you're going in and out. Um, So we tell guys, don't take unethical shots, but don't be afraid to take the shots that you wouldn't normally take, like a frontal, a hard quartering two, a quartering away. Take those shots with this broadhead and let that broadhead work, and you're going to be amazed at what happens on entry and exit, let alone when you open that animal. It's going to look like a blender went off because as that air is going through the animal's cavity at 273 feet per second, it's shutting down cells and collapsing blood blood out of cells. Um, An easy way to think about it is... Let's take that hide. That's like we said, that hide, that's shot off the broadhead and traps on the arrow shaft. So let's say just the hide is shot off the broadhead at, at an eighth inch, but all the way down the arrow shaft. And this is normal. What happens when people shoot animals through the, through, through the, through the lungs with our broadheads, they'll say that they didn't have barely any blood on the arrow shaft, just specks on the, on the, uh, on the vein. That's proving that the broadhead is not allowing friction or anything else to touch the arrow shaft because it's arrow, the arrow is going through a hole that broadhead creates. So at an eighth inch around of height, all the way around the arrow shaft times 30 inches, what that equates to, and we hired a third party analysis engineering firm to tell us what that is. That actually on a standard platform, we use my uh, my business partner, Brandon's, his setup, he was shooting a Matthews at uh, 70 pounds. He was shooting a 29 inch draw, 452 grain arrow at 273 feet per second. And what um, what that air trapped behind the broadhead between the hide and everything equates to is about a 5.5 percussion uh, airwave into an animal's cavity. And guys are like, well, what does that mean? And I said, okay, let me think about it in layman's terms. And I I literally thought of a good way to do it. And I said, okay, a softball is about five inches around somewhere around there, maybe a little smaller or whatever. And I said, imagine if I threw a softball into your cavity at 273 feet per second, what do you think would happen to the cells inside your cavity that are 80% water which blood is 80%, 70% water, what do you think would happen to cells that weren't even close to where that air energy or that softball-sized air energy cavity, they'd start jumping out of the way and squeezing flat because air and water don't like each other. So when that it goes into the animal's cavity, they get you can actually see it when you shoot a turkey. If you could slow a camera down, a little, a turkey will actually... All the as you shoot them in the cavity, all the feathers will come completely sideways before they collapse on each other. And usually, you shoot a turkey with this broadhead in um, a good shot. It literally, we've seen them flop like four yards, maybe they three yards. We shot two out of a ground blind uh, with with our hundreds when we first launched. One made it a yard and a half. One made it half a yard.
1: That <laughs> shooting small.
2: That shooting probably one of the, sure. without a doubt one of the, one of the smallest. Smallest, like I said, smallest length blade edge to blade edge broadhead. So, Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's proving that that broadhead is doing something different than just hemorrhaging alone. So, um, like I said, going back to what we were talking about, uh, with the broadhead, uh, being lethal, that's what we write. Every bow hunter should strive to be as lethal as possible. You want that animal for me, when I go to feed my, feed my son, uh, whatever I shoot, I don't want it to be gamey. I, I don't want the animal to suffer. And I honestly feel that, and so does my business partner, that the Annihilator is the most lethal and most ethical broadhead that you can shoot at an animal because of what it does to the animal. It causes them to expire fast and does not allow them to run, right? What happens when you take off running, animals build up adrenaline. Adrenaline goes to the meat, meat tastes bad. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't. Yeah.
2: I like my. I like my meat to taste good. I don't like to taste all gamey and nasty.
0: <laughs> I'm with you there. Yeah, that was one of the things I was really impressed with. Uh, my My hunting partner, buddy Jimmy, he uh, started shooting your guys' broadhead at the same time, and he. I think he had shot a doe or, or shot a deer first, and that was one of. And I helping him, you know, uh, cut it up and stuff. But that was one of the things I was really impressed with was the wound channel. You know, mm-hmm. cause that's what you think when you see the broadhead, you're right. You think it, well, it's, it's small. Like what's this going to be like? But I, the wound channel is very impressive, which is kind of yeah, what I work. was looking for. Cause I had came from like a two blade and just, I don't know, like th- they were okay, but I was just never like totally satisfied. So
2: yeah. And when you, when you look at the, you know, we've had guys hold up deer shoulders from six feet away and to, with a camera, you're taking pictures and you can see the light on the other side. Mm-hmm. Through meat and through everything. That's proving that, that, that broadhead is boring a true hole through the animal. And the interesting thing is we show guys, we'll pull up all these pictures and guys are like, well, how does it work? And we'll show them pictures of entrance and exit wounds. And they're absolutely massive. It's not like you get this tiny entrance and this massive exit uh, or you're, you know, you get two, two holes through the animal. But here's the interesting thing is, if we're a three-bladed broadhead, why does the broadhead produce a 360 degree hole? Like when you go up to your animal, rarely you'll see, you might see a triangle in the hide, but you open that hide up and it's a hole through the animal. Mm-hmm. And that hole, that hole is irrelevant of the shape of the broadhead. It's totally different. It's not, we should be a three blade broadhead, right? We should be a full point of three, three razor blade slits going through an animal, but we're not.
1: Mm-hmm. Now killer. the the pictures online make it almost look like a 20 gauge hole.
2: Yeah. We tell guys, guys will walk up and they're like, dude, that I shot this deer and it looked like a 50 cal one off. Uh, we actually had a taxidermist, a couple of them. One taxidermist that I remember, uh, I remember the story vividly. The other one was early on. We had a taxidermist call us. Guy brought in, I think it was an elk. I'm not 100% sure. Brought an elk into a shop. And uh, the taxidermist was like, dude, I'm not touching it. And the guy's like, what are you talking about? And he said, you shot this with a rifle. And the guy said, no, I did not. I shot it with a broadhead. And the guy said, I've been doing taxidermy for X amount of years. I've seen this a thousand times. You shot this with a rifle. And the taxidermist actually got on the phone and called fish and game fish and game showed up and luckily for the guy fishing game walked up and was like, I shoot the annihilators too. And that's the hole that they leave. I, can tell you right now <laughs> I have
1: a feeling that thought. dude, that dude, uh, yeah. lucked out a little bit. Yeah. Without, without a
2: doubt, without a doubt. And so yeah, we, uh, we always laugh at that story just because it's one of those things where, um, you know, in reality guys in your shooting in your, you know, you're, you're blowing through shoulder bone and putting holes in shoulder bone that like like a rifle round went through them. It's not your traditional, like um the crack, like a not knocking two blades, but like a two blade that goes in and tries to rotate and crack bone, then it builds up friction on the arrow shaft. Ours just goes through whatever it hits, it's putting a hole in doesn't matter where you hit. So um we like to tell guys it's literally the insurance policy. If you think about it, right? If you get a hole where you're supposed to shoot it, it's awesome. It does what it's supposed to do, you know, probably faster than any other broadhead ever. You go to the back end. Now you have a hole in the guts where, you're, where um, we've had guys shoot bull elk, big bull elk that are bedding up in 300, 400 yards. And that's not, that's not normal. When a bull elk gets shot in the guts, it's usually six miles and you're not finding them. They're over ridges and you can watch them keep walking. Um, but then you shoot it far forward and you're getting that same hole out of the shoulder. So uh, like if if you had to see the, the results of one hole to the next hole to the next hole across the, the grand scheme of the body, not saying that's where you want to shoot it, why would you not shoot it? right? You're getting that same hole regardless of where you put it. It has to, by, by raw physics of the broadhead, it has to p- produce that hole.
0: Yeah, that, that's what's kind of been the most impressive thing for me with these heads, at least so far. Uh, you know, it seems like with picking a broadhead before, you always had to like pay the piper somehow. You know, you always kind of had sure. to give something up. Uh, and I haven't felt that way, at least, you know, with okay. annihilators. Like, I, I, I haven't felt like I'm I'm compromising on flight I mean penetration has been good durability's been fantastic it's like I haven't found that thing that I'm giving away you know so that's been cool
2: yeah and like I said the, those four things that we 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 base this thing on um you know like I said mechanicals fly phenomenal off long range a lot of guys are shooting about the 100 yards because they fly at the field point when they hit something hard it's over right fixed blades most of them don't fly well they have vents they whistle they uh they scream if something bends over they you know bends over on the on the broadhead it'll rotate and take the broadhead with it uh two blades have rotational lift when they're great they're they're great uh perpendicular to the ground when they turn flat with the ground they have rotational lift that's why a lot of guys got to stack a bunch of weight behind a two blade to get to fly straight uh two blades also especially single bevels, are designed to crack bone and try to slide through bone where they're building up friction on the arrow shaft um, so any broadhead you take out there um is going to have across the board one of those failures, and, and, like I said, in, in our opinion, in the opinion of thousands of others, of you know, our followers and stuff, that the annihilator doesn't doesn't fall short in any one of those four categories.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. They've been they've been great so far. I feel like I just learned more about broadheads in this last hour than I've learned in the last five years. So this was this was good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no,
2: it's uh, it, it's cool. It's uh, it's definitely interesting. You know, I didn't know a whole lot about it. I understood the physics behind them, but I didn't understand what you could actually accomplish, mm-hmm. uh, by fully shielding and hiding the arrow shaft. And, and that's our patent that, um, that wedge back there is our patent and that's where that, ma- all that magic happened. So yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah this was super, super informational. Like, I mean, we're Cody and I talk uh, pretty much every day about some sort of hunting gear bows, arrows, yeah. broadheads, et cetera. And, uh, definitely had fun, nerd it out, like really nerding out on stuff. Like this was fun. Perfect. Yeah. Um, we, uh,
2: we like, you know, yes, nerding out or geeking out. We tell guys, you know, it's like that it's, we, we, you know, we call it the rabbit hole. It's like, how far do you want to go down? We can keep, we can keep, we can keep going. Like it's, there's a lot of stuff behind objects and flight and, and penetration. And, um, like you said, this is just, the annihilator just does stuff so different. and Like we flipped the, you know, going back to what we said, the sea of broadheads in our eyes, it was a sea of sameness and that's not, that's not knocking broadheads at all, but it would to us, they all, they all did the same thing. They just killed by hemorrhaging. You're not
1: wrong though. Like you're, you're just stating a fact. No one can really dispute. I mean, they can say like, well, ours cuts bigger, ours flies better. Well, right. But at the end of the day, when it goes through an animal, Yep. Still yeah. doing the same as that thing as this guy or that guy or that guy or that guy.
2: Yeah. And we, you know, not like I said, not knocking a two blade or anything, either, but think about, think about a razor sharp obsidian two blade. If you could get that thing to fly, right? It's bulbous. Why not shoot that? You're going to move more mass out of the way. You're going to allow for the arrow shaft to get better penetration because the, the, the obsidian flake is bulbous. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not like a razor blade. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So to, to, to sacrifice frontal drag, right? A lot of it to get rid of a shit ton more behind it to us made more sense than to decrease drag on the front to either not think about the drag behind you or, um, you know, or just design the front to be as dragless as possible. Right. Right. We induced drag where everyone thought we were crazy.
0: Yeah. Hmm. That's awesome. Well, we don't have to keep you Micah, we appreciate you coming on. It's been it's been great. I think we could sit here and probably talk for another hour about this stuff. I know I <laughs> I love hearing about it, love talking about it. But um, where's the best place for people to kind of follow along with you guys? Website, socials. What what's the best place to kind of to follow along with annihilator and what's going on?
2: Yeah, um, and go to uh, www.annihilatorbroadheads.com where we have uh, you know wholesale accounts where we go through deal with dealers, uh, but okay. direct to consumer uh, we're you know so direct consumer too. You can order straight through the website if you don't have a dealer in your area. Um, we're on Instagram and Facebook, you know. Annihilator Broadheads pretty pretty easy to do, uh, pretty easy to follow. But we always tell guys, you know, do your research. Um, shoot what makes you feel comfortable. Uh, but when you have that sub sub marginal hit. And yeah. Uh, and you wish you had something else on, come talk to us.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. Well, it's been awesome. We appreciate you taking, taking some time out of your night to, to come on and talk to us.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. You no, we,
2: we, yeah, for sure. Man. We, uh, we love doing it. We love talking to guys. Like I said, um, you know, most, most generalized podcasts are about an, an hour a week. Brandon and I've been on podcasts for two and a half hours talking about broadhead and broadhead flight and everything else. So, um, no, nah, it's, a. Uh, you guys were willing to listen and like i said uh you know us giving up the information it's um you know we're, we're truly blessed to be in the position we are with uh with what we have we uh we didn't even know at the time when we we launched in may of 2019 and six months later we had, we were at the ata show and uh lady comes up on a cart and she's like hey you guys won gold uh, for this year at the ATA show, um, you, know, you, guys, you guys can go pick up your award. Your award later. But she takes off on her, her cart, and I look at Brendan, and I was like, "What the hell just happened?" She stops her cart, puts it in reverse, comes back to us, and she said, "By the way, has anybody ever to- told you those things are sexy as hell?" And took off on her cart again, and we're like, "What the hell?" <laughs> so yeah, that's we you know we won that award, and. um, from there, it's been think about it too, right? We won that award, best new archery product, most innovative archery product in the industry in 2020. And up until uh, up until uh, about two and a half months ago, we we spent our first dollar on an ad, which means wow. this whole time, friends of friends, guys like you, Cody, and guys like you talking back and forth. You guys learned about our broadheads from experience. We didn't shove any BS marketing down your guys' throats. That's, huh. that's, yeah, that's, that's incredible. Insane. Yeah. Not a dollar in marketing other than, other than going to, going to ATA or going to Harrisburg or, sure. or whatever, but we haven't spent, we didn't spend up until a couple months ago, not $1 on an ad telling you guys, you guys need to shoot our broad ads. It's friends of friends. So we grew completely opposite of probably. I'd say 95% of it, any other broadhead in the industry mm-hmm. too. It's all been grassroots. So you our, know, fa- our, our fans are diehard annihilator fans because they put, put the heads through the ringer and their friends have, and their family, we've got families, husband, wife, daughter, grandmother, they all shoot. Like in Pennsylvania, we do the Harrisburg show. We'll sell a whole family, all broadheads. And they're like, this is the only thing we shoot. Everybody shoots it out of the crossbow. They shoot it out of the compound. They shoot it out of the trad bow. Uh,
0: that was one of the coolest things I thought at TAC when we, uh, we, we came up to the booth and, and Brandon was there and we were talking with him. And I thought that was one of the coolest things. One of the first things he asked us when he, like once he knew that we were shooting your guys broadheads is what we thought. Like what experiences that we had. Like he was very interested in kind of what we yeah. had found what we liked didn't like. And it wasn't like a sales thing at all. So that, yeah. that makes a lot of yeah. sense with what you guys have done. But I, I thought that was really cool that he was very interested in what us, the consumer, had had found too in our experience.
2: Oh yeah. And you know, like all of, all of our stuff, all those videos we put out there, those aren't, that's not, that's not us shooting animals. Mm-hmm. We, we have animal kills and stuff, but I don't, I don't take, you know, any pride or anything like that showing people as the owner, what, what stuff's been shot. But, um, our customers speak, speak for us. And that's, like I said, go back to that grassroots thing. That's, that's what annihilator is about. We, we never wanted to push false information. And this broadhead was so different when we launched, That we knew we were gonna it was gonna be an uphill struggle but it's it's not like that anymore like if you don't if if you don't know about annihilator one of your friends does Mm -hmm.
1: yeah 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 for sure it's awesome well
0: i think it helps i mean you guys are an easy company to support too you know Uh, so and and you have a great product which helps but i you know i think it's an easy company for people to support so I know it's, it's very easy for me to keep buying, buying your products. Yeah. We're,
2: you know, we're, we're, we're hunters first, you know, this didn't yep. come about to make money or anything like that. Uh, we're just, we're just blessed and fortunate that we have so many annihilator fans that let us continue to, uh, make broadheads. And, and uh, you know, one thing that we can say is that we've, we launched as innovators and annihilator will always be an innovator in broadhead revolution technology and count on that. Like this, this, we're not done yet.
0: That's perfect. We'll
2: flip, awesome. we'll flip the industry again.
0: Yeah. I'm looking forward yep. to seeing that. Yeah, for sure. Yep. All right, Michael. Well, thanks again. Uh, and yep. everybody tuning in as always, we appreciate it. And we'll catch you on the next one.
2: Sounds good, man.